Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad, pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. This week, we uh, found a new villain for Memphis basketball. And one! Yeah! His name, Come on! His name is Dan Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> Memphis coming off a, a 78-71 win over UConn, snapping a three-game losing streak. We also, since last time we joined you, Memphis lost to Cincinnati. A uh, close game where I think they... they penny. Really- they, acqui- they yeah. acquitted themselves well. Penny questioned their toughness afterwards, and he's probably right that they had that. They could have won that game, and they just got they kind of got out toughed down the stretch. But I thought they played pretty well for the most part. So we go into another week, another another week of road games at ECU and then at UCF. I think both are going to be kind of tricky. But let's reflect a little bit on on. Uh, what happened Sunday I mean, against UConn where, I mean, it was amazing. For the first time all season, Penny Hardaway was not the coach everyone was talking about. <laughs> I, I tweeted that during the game. Like, it's so funny that, you know, you go anywhere on the road and, you know, everyone is so interested in Penny Hardaway. Like, even when when they went to LSU, when they went to Temple, they, like, played the Derez Deshaun song with Hardaway before the game and, like, the student sections were anticipating, you know, him coming out. And at South Florida, there was like, I counted four people with Penny Magic or Suns jerseys, like waiting in the tunnel to try and get him to sign stuff. But, oh no, he was not the center of attention on Sunday. No way. So Yeah, Dan Hurley dropping. So what I found really amazing is, so before the game, Dan Hurley, so we find out after the game, Dan Hurley and Penny Hardaway have known each other for a long time. Penny went to a basketball camp with Bobby Hurley and Danny Hurley back in the day. If you don't know, their dad, Bob Hurley, is a legendary high school coach from New Jersey, and they're all from Jersey City. And so, But before the game, Penny and Danny shake hands, and they have a quick conversation. And during it, Dan Hurley basically says to Penny, you know, this is going to probably be the last time we're both 13 and 10 coming into this game. Like with what you've got coming in, what with with what I've got coming in, like our two programs are about to spike is the word he used after the game. And Memphis has the number 12 recruiting class coming in, number 12 recruiting class in the country coming in next as year. Of now. As of now, UConn has the number 16 recruiting class in the country. And what I found hilarious, though, is he says that he's like this gracious guy and, you know, everything's honky dory. And then Jeremiah Martin hits the first basket of the game yaps a little bit at the Yukon bench and Dan Hurley turns, goes to the ref, but is basically saying it to Jeremiah, you better shut him the F up. Like, like literally like minutes later, like it just right away. And just it's just a hot start right out of the game. I know. And it was just 
all game. You know, be, in, he doesn't. He didn't like wh- another favorite thing of mine was he doesn't say get over the pick or beat the pick. He goes beat that s up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. That means you know get over the screen. But the, he says the beat- best part. The best part is the stomping <laughs> when the stomping well was, well the stomping that is just and the man the manic pacing the like mood swings like one minute it looks like he's like someone murdered his dog and the next minute it looks like he's in the ncaa championship game like bob you know bob Val, you know jimmy valvano running on the court like waving his arms he went across the entire court and started talking trash to some of the memphis fans over there when he was protesting a call it was just I mean, he was playing a character. Now, something something someone pointed out to me after the fact, after I wrote my column, that I found very... I, it was an interesting point, and I, I tend to agree with him. If Penny had acted the oh, way that yeah. guy did, oh. he would have gotten killed. Oh, of he, course. People would have been all over him for being, oh, like this AAU coach doesn't know how to act. Like, and, and whereas we're, all, we're laughing about Danny Hurley. Um, we're laughing about it, but... It, it, I think people are right. If Penny acted that way on the sideline, people yeah. would be giving him so much. Hundred percent. Um, and so, it's just it. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think it. But I do think I think both they're polar opposites in terms of their sideline demeanor. Penny and and Dan Hurley, but I think they're both going to be successful. Like I think Dan Hurley's a pretty. Oh, good I'd coach. play for Dan Hurley. I mean, you watch that. I. I mean, I said I'd play for Dan Hurley. 100%. That UConn team, and this is why I think I was a little bit concerned about Memphis's performance. And that UConn team was missing its two best players, and Memphis could not really close the deal. They led the whole way, but they got just pounded on the glass down the stretch, um, and it was really a game down the stretch when it shouldn't have been. But I think both UConn and Memphis are going to look like the Memphis and UConn of old sooner rather than later. And this dynamic we saw play out on the court, like I think it's going to be great for this series. Having Penny, this cool, you know, know, the cool kind of icon, but you know. As Brian Gregory called him, the hip happening coach of the league. Yeah, and and then have Dan Hurley, this like, uh, you know, lunatic. Maniac. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think it's like it's gonna be a perfect it's a it's a perfect foil for Penny. And honestly, he's a guy who's really fun and easy to hate if you're a Memphis fan. Like that's a lot of fun. It was a lot it's it was also, a lot of fun. Let me let me chub it. I think it's also easy to like him too, just because it's so funny. Like even Penny knew afterwards he, he could see why, you know, that might frustrate people, but he called it hilarious. He called yeah. his behavior hilarious. Yeah. Which I thought was funny in, in its own Right. Well, I think everyone said it from the get-go when Memphis and UConn joined the AAC, what, five years ago, whatever it was. Like, I think everyone, like, part of the reason the AAC was intriguing as a league was because they had both Memphis and UConn who are both kind of similar in that they're not quite traditional blue bloods, but they both have, and especially UConn, I mean, UConn's won a couple national titles, but they have this. More than a couple. I think they have, like, five or close to five. In basketball? Yeah. I mean, they have like an insane, I mean, they've had an insane run of success, you know, for whatever, a while. Whatever yeah. it is, they're both really good tradition-rich programs. And I think for the league to become what it ultimately wants to become, you know, like as nice as it is that, you know, UCF is 
was the preseason favorite and SMU won the league a couple years ago and Wichita came in and provided a jolt and Houston's rolling right now. Like the league is going to be better off with Memphis and UConn being as along with Cincinnati, these tradition rich programs being its best programs. They have four national championships, four national championships. So obviously it's, and so, and I think I really do think Dan Hurley and Penny are the guys who are going to get them back to what we grow, have grown accustomed to. That was a to. narrative that honestly started in September before, I mean, it started when, right, when UConn joined the league, but that's something Danny Hurley was talking about in September at AAC Media Day. He was like, for this league to be good, Memphis and UConn need to be good. And we've talked about, you know, how many bids is this league? And really, there's not an answer to that yet right now. And they just the looking league more and did more like just pass. Two. Yeah, the league did just pass the Pac-12. If you want to count that as anything relevant, but um, in, in Ken Palm's ratings, I should say. But in general, I think Danny Hurley's spot on. Like when Memphis and UConn are good, it takes the especially with what Kelvin Sampson has done at Houston. Yeah, if he stays at Houston, they're going right. to be good. And, and Mick Cronin has been uber consistent at Cincinnati. Greg Marshall's going to, if he stays right. at Wichita, he'll get Wichita right. back right. And this is right. kind of a blip of a year. So you, if you add two more teams to that mix that can have consistent success, now you're looking a lot more like a league that, you know, like a Big East type of deal. I think right now people would, would put the Big East ahead of the American in terms of basketball because the Big East has more programs that are on a, on a run of success right now. And its bottom is better. Like the, right. I think the AAC has an issue with Tulane the bottom and of the league. East Carolina and those teams, man, they just they kill you. Yeah. And well, although I think this road game at ECU is going to be tricky. Memphis lost at ECU last year. It's it's a it's a weird road trip cuz you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's not a great atmosphere and quite frankly ECU gave Memphis some trouble here at FedEx Forum. But it was interesting coming out of that game, there was like encouraging things and discouraging things out of the UConn game. I was encouraged by how Keevan Davenport looked. It was the best he's looked in a while because Jeremiah had been pulling too much of the weight recently. And you kind of, you really need that second fiddle, especially with the the freshmen being uh, as inconsistent as they've been. It was, I thought their initial defense, like they, they struggled on the glass, but they forced a lot of missed shots by UConn. Um, I thought they played very, very good defense. They've done that a couple games. Like Cincinnati had four shot clock violations in that game. That's, I mean, I know they play a really slow tempo, but that was, you know, a good sign. I thought as well. Yeah, no, I thought that whole Cincinnati game, like you came out disappointed because they kind of blew the lead down the stretch a little bit, you know, but they were much more competitive with Cincinnati than they were a year ago. It was very clear to me. Even now, though, I don't know. I don't know. Cincinnati is the same team that they were a year ago. That's true. They they did not look as good. You're right. You're absolutely right. Now, discouraging things, I'd say. Oh, and then I would say another encouraging thing was I thought Tyler Harris played his best game in a while. Passed the UConn. ball really well. Yes. He had three turnovers, but he also was passing up some shots to set up teammates for better shots. And I really, I, I, thought, he, I thought his overall floor game uh, offensively was was nice to see discouraging things. I'd say the rebounding deficit in the second half was like egregious, was just egregious. Um, you know, it's the only reason really UConn, UConn got back in the game that, and the fact that Memphis had trouble with UConn's two, three zone, 
we might be looking at this game differently had they not given up that four rebound possession there at the end of the game that resulted in a three. It made it a four point game, fouls, free throws, back and forth. If that doesn't happen, if they just get the rebound, then you you know you might be looking well, for at a, a while. It, it, for a while, UConn kept pushing it to like nine or ten or eleven, you know, closing the deficit. But it seemed like Memphis always had an answer. And then there was that. It was like about six minutes to go, something like that. Then UConn finally pressed forward a little bit. But hey, it was nice that they respond. Like they didn't wilt. You know, Memphis didn't. You know, Rainier Thornton has that amazing putback dunk. I thought that it was as high as I've ever seen him jump. So they didn't wilt like they did against Cincinnati. So that's an encouraging sign. The other thing I'm concerned about is Antoine Jones. I mean, we've seen how talented that guy is. Plays five or six minutes against UConn. And Penny basically says... Played five minutes against USF. Penny basically says, I can't trust this guy. I I don't trust. He was, you know, he was, I I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know what he, I didn't know what he was doing out there in the first half was essentially what Penny said. And the guy has gone completely off track after an encouraging three weeks, month or whatever it was. You wrote a column about it too. Yeah. I mean, you you, you could see this coming. I mean, he is a, you know, you, you hate to call it this, but he is, he's, he's kind of a head case. Like he's, he's, it's, it's not physical. It's mental. And you do worry, I mean, one, that like, I mean, I always thought he was a flight risk as even the day he committed just from knowing his recruiting process. You know, I thought like there's a chance this guy won't last more than a year or two here at Memphis just because that's who he is. And, and I still have that fear today that he could be a transfer candidate, but just in general, it, it does. It's the one guy, it seems like Penny has not been able to get through to consistently because the same issues that were issues at the beginning of the year, like in terms of if things aren't going his way, he pouts and he, you know, really just goes into a shell, it seems like, are the same problems today. What, I, what I've also found interesting, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, Penny has really started depending on those seniors a lot more over the past couple of weeks. You know, take out Antoine Jones, even... Alo and Tyler Harris, they're like Alo's minutes have gone down. Tyler Harris until yesterday, until the UConn game, his his sort of impact had had diminished. What do you think? Of, what do you make of that? I just I think part of it also depends on who they're playing. Like Alo's biggest strength on this team is defense, right? So when they're pressing and they're successful in pressing, like they were at the end of the USF game. You have no problem with Halo being on the floor um, more minutes. And then with Tyler, when he's distributing the way he did against UConn, you know, that's when he's at his best and, and, and shooting. Um, and he gives you a lot of options. But right now, the seniors are just better. I mean, they're just been better players as of late. So I think there comes a point in time where Penny sort of realized, you know, after starting the freshmen and, and relying on them heavily at the beginning of the season that, you know, it makes more sense to move Jeremiah back to point guard. And look what Jeremiah's done, you know, since he moved him away from that three spot. So I just think in general that the seniors have been able to make more of an impact so that, I mean, I I don't fault Penny at all for sort of switching up the lineup and, and going against those guys. And like you mentioned, it just feels like Antoine Jones should have a huge role on this team because he is so talented and you watch some of the passes that he makes and you just say, wow, like, I don't know if anyone else on this team can make those plays. 
But at the same time, he makes he'll af, right after he'll make one of those plays, he'll go turn it over or throw it to the other team right away or, or take a, a jump shot, you know, five seconds into the shot clock. And, and, and you can just see the frustration start to build on Penny's face and, and you know, he, he can't leave him in. It's interesting. I'm looking at the AAC standings right now because we're going into this week, two road games. Memphis currently sits in sixth place with a six and five record. What's fascinating to me is the five teams ahead of them all have a 500 or better record in road games this year, whereas Memphis is one in five. And I think the UCF game is going to be a tough one. I mean, this traditionally, like over the past, since Memphis joined the league, they've struggled, especially in recent years, struggled to win at UCF. But you, you also go into that game having beaten them by 20, which is sort of a motivating factor for UCF. Yeah. But it's also uh, a point of confidence if you're Memphis. What's amazing, USF is now 17-6. and six. They've won five in a row. And I mean, that, they're incredible. off to their best, in conference play, their best start in program history. I mean, aside from Houston and Cincinnati, that you could, there's an argument to be made they're the third best team in the league, um, which is pretty incredible. Nah, I would go Temple there, but... Eh, you got a better record than Temple. They, they're better in, I, think, I, I don't know, are they better than in Kempom than Temple? I don't know. It might be, um, but regardless, it's Memphis needs to win. Like, honestly, like Memphis probably needs to, they need to, they need to steal this road game, whether it's this road game or Wichita state to, if they're going to move up into the top four in the league, they're going to have to steal a, a road game or two here down the stretch. And I That's, that was the point I'm trying to make. Right. And I don't have it in front of me, but actually, if you look at those, they are not teams, ahead of temples ahead of them. in California. Okay. I don't have it in front of me, but when you look at those other teams, Memphis's schedule, they play, you know, a good bit of these bottom half of the conference teams at home here towards the towards the end. Your two your other road games are against, you know, East Carolina and then a road game against UCF, a team you've already beaten. You got, Wichita's they, tough and, and then Cincinnati. Cincinnati's is that is No, they're they're a, a after this pass. ECU game, their last three road games are pretty I mean, it's it's not an easy schedule down the stretch. You got ECU on the road and UCF on the road this week. Then you get Tulane at home, which should, you know, obviously a, probably should be a W at Wichita state. After that temple at home at Cincinnati, Tulsa at home. Okay. That's a, that's a tough four game now closing look up, stretch, but look up South Florida. See they, I I'm pretty sure South Florida has to play Houston and Cincinnati three more times between those, those two schools by the end of the season, which is extremely challenging for them. Sure. But we're talking about top, they got they're going to have to pass two teams to get in the top 4 at this point. Well, you got you got a huge opportunity on the road at Central Florida this weekend. Yeah. And it, yeah. I I like I said, I don't think this ECU game is a gimme either. I think, you know, with with how this team's play on the road, what do you think they need to do in this ECU game to get off to a better start than they did last week when they with a, that disastrous road trip? I you know, I won. I think that starting the five seniors makes a ton of sense. I don't, uh, I've said this every time. I don't think that there's just some s- easy solution to this. I think I, you got to press from the start. Well, of, yes. Guys. Yes. And they've done that the past couple of games. I think they, they will do that. And I asked Penny, are you going to change anything today on the, on the uh, coaches teleconference, the AAC coaches teleconference. And he said that they're going to tweak a few things, but, he feels like the game plans haven't been the problem on the road. It's just that the players haven't necessarily followed those game plans for the entire game, which is, 
cause problems. But Do you think he needs to go Dan Hurley on their butts? Like, you know, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. And this game is on ESPN three. I believe it's not really? on TV. Yes. This oh. East Carolina game. So the trio, you know, trace. maybe, maybe if uh, I can get some video of Penny is, you know, stomping and clapping and talking trash. This is 2019. We, people can stream. You're not going to be like the only one there. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but, watch uh, it. I'll save everyone from that trouble. By the way, I'm looking at USF schedule. You were wrong. They play, they do have at Houston, they have at UCF, Temple at home, at Houston, UCF at home, at UConn, at Tulane, SMU. So it's not, it's actually not that hard. Huh. Um, it's, I would argue Memphis's closing stretch is a little tougher given what they have given, especially given Memphis's issues on the road. So we'll wrap this up. Why don't you give us, give the listeners what, what's going on in recruiting that you know about? Um, so yeah, Damian Ball had his visit this weekend and from all intents and purposes, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think that it went well. His visit went well. It sounds like it went well. I was listening to Jason and John on my way in here, and Norton Hurd was on, and he said that um, on their show that Memphis made him really feel like he's a priority. And then that's interesting to me because I actually think I, I think Damian Ball is a fantastic player. I actually don't know if he's like like. If they maybe they, maybe they're thinking they can they're going to take two two more guards because they're going to have some attrition and they probably have two scholarships to play with as of today I would guess right does that sound right to mm-hmm. you but like they need a shooter and Damian Ball as good as he is I would not say shooting is his strength his defense and his slashing and playmaking ability are his strength he's really like I said really good player like not denigrating him at all. So that's interesting to me that 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 Norton said that that Heard said that and um, but who who else are they who else are they going after? Obviously, Kyrie Walker is, is one. He's a class of twenty twenty guy, um, a, a very very highly rated prospect, and he is a candidate to reclassify for twenty nineteen. So there's a chance that they could get there. And I'm going to butcher his name, Lester Canones. Canones? I think it's Canones. Canones. Yeah. I was watching videos. I, I've talked to him on the phone. I should have asked, asked him. I should have asked him how yeah. to pronounce his last name. Hey, he's probably, is your name what, Jew Heil? What, what, a, what <laughs> poor journalism work by me, but no. Um, he just released his top seven. It seems like LSU, Maryland, and Memphis are sort of the top um, tier there, but he has a top seven that includes... That guy's a shooter, right? Yes. Now, he can play too, and he and James, he said they're not best friends, but... You know, he says James is his guy. He likes James a lot. So I would imagine most. He's AAU the Dan, he's the Dan Hurley to uh, James's Penny. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Penny said Dan was his guy. Right. So uh, so that's your that's your recent. Well, and then all, didn't R.J. Hampton release his top five and Memphis was in it? Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't have forgot him. He um, with him. There's the update is no update, although it's very interesting that, you know, he's releasing his top five. And he's he strikes me guy. as a guy who's going to go through the recruiting circuit this summer and do kind of like what Marvin Bagley did a couple years ago. He's going to be a 2020 recruit until the last second, and then he might change it up. Right. Um, you know, depending on what he does, you know, because what he does in that summer recruiting cycle. So, so what's interesting to me, it seems like, it seems like, like, and correct me if I'm there's wrong. There's a lot of options, right? Well, now. it seems like what they're doing is casting a wide net and they're saying to these guards, hey, we're, we're, 
you know, I know that that was why I found the Damian ball thing interesting. And then there's obviously trend in Watford too, but they're saying to these guards, Hey, we've got two scholarships. One is probably going to go, you know, you'd hope would go to trend in Watford, but then the other one they're saying, Hey, we're, we're interested in all you guys, you know, one right. of you should commit. But I also think they can make room. I think the chances, multiple. yes, the chances are higher that someone transfers. Oh, I think, no I think it's all. guaranteed at least one person transfers this off season. If only because that's just how college basketball works now. Right. But like, I think you're crazy if you're not thinking about the fact that maybe Victorino leaves, maybe Antoine Jones leaves. I think that's just, I think that's, those are possibilities right, right there. We're not saying it's going to happen. It's, yeah. But it's it's more likely in college basketball today that someone transfers, and, and then you've got the factor if they need to, really needed to. Jaden Hardaway is on scholarship right now. I actually don't think, as much as people bring that up as a possibility, I don't think I don't know if Penny would do that unless he absolutely had to, because I think he, I think there's a reason why Jaden was put on scholarship. Like Penny, like doesn't didn't want him, doesn't view him as a walk on, and didn't want him to feel like a walk on, even though. I'd argue he's should have been a walk on, but regardless, it's going to be a very interesting late recruiting cycle. Cause like we mentioned, Memphis's recruiting class is ranked number 12 in the country by two, four, seven sports right now. And there's a lot of expectation and sort of uh hype for next year. But I really do think they need to add at least one or two more pieces to this recruiting class for them to truly be, a top 20 team next year to do what kind of like what LSU is doing this year. Like, I think they need another piece or two. And specifically to me, my priority, if I was on that staff was I need another outside shooter. And I don't care what position they play, but I would want another outside shooter. Right. Right. And I think you, I mean, with David coming off of an injury, David Winget, you just, I mean, you can see, look at him as another shooting shooting option, but you just don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, I think that's year. a wild card. Like, he, I mean, yeah. to be quite honest, maybe it was because he was hurt, but he didn't. He looked a bit overmatched at the beginning of the year when right. he was playing. Um, but it could be because he was dealing. He, it sounds like he's just been basically had a lot of bad luck with injuries. So it's going to be a fascinating last month of the season, and then probably another fascinating month or two after that to see exactly what next year's team is going to look like. What do you think this week? Do you think they they you think they go one and one, two and oh? What, what's your prediction? Ooh, I will go one and one. Yeah, that's I think too. I think they're going to lose to UCF. That's a tough. They, that's a tough play. That UCF plays a lot better at home traditionally and this year. Well, we'll uh, Drew will be on the road for both games. You get to go to big contrast there, Greenville then uh, Orlando. Oh boy, uh, yeah, I'm real excited. Oh, by the way, let me add this. Uh, I'm not coming after you, Mark, but the the late night Mexican place in Tulsa, Weber and I both agreed was uh, was not very good. Oh. Salsa was very soupy, not a lot of flavor. I'm just gonna have to. Uh, well, I'm Yelp disagree. disagrees with you because it had four stars on Yelp too, and a lot of reviews. Well, I disagree with Yelp. All right. Well, I loved it. Maybe it was because like I stumbled upon it, like not knowing. I was going to find like a late night Mexican place. Maybe, maybe I just like, uh, hyped it up in my mind because it was, uh, maybe you ordered wrong too. I ordered like carnita tacos. Like it was a basic order. Like the salsa was the most disappointing part by far. All right. I got the case. I remember I got the queso there. It was pretty good, but whatever <laughs> table. It. I'm, 
I'm just glad I didn't have to go to Tulsa. <laughs> That's just in case any Memphian out there ends up in uh, in Tulsa at 12 a.m. on a Thursday night. All right. Well, uh, yep. ECU, UCF this week. Drew will have all your coverage at commercialpeel.com. Maybe I'll chime in, too, at some point Mark this week. Mark will be at home watching with baby Cole. Yeah, with the ba- with the baby, we'll see. He's he's uh, he hasn't made it through a full game yet. He, he fall, tends to fall asleep. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage at commercialpeel.com. Uh, Till next time, I was Mark. This was Drew. Enjoy the games. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.